My name's Penny Ferguson, and I'm the founder and CEO of The Living Leader. And as many of you know, um, I designed a leadership program about 25 years ago that has had over 60,000 people go through it and translate into five languages. So I think you could say that I've got a bit of an understanding about uh, leadership, which I've acquired over the years and mainly through working with some pretty outstanding people in business. So what we're now going to do is a series of podcasts where many of these people who've become passionate about leadership, very senior people in different sizes of companies, some very large, uh, such as uh, British Gas or GKN Aerospace, uh, some rather smaller, um, such as Total Fitness or Zen Internet. Um, but in all of them, every one of them, where they have begun to get an absolute passion for leadership, it becomes almost the driving force of if we can get leadership and our people understanding leadership at every level, the impact that this can have on so many levels is phenomenal. Not just on things like morale, things like employee engagement, but actually on bottom line results. So this series of podcasts is going to be interviewing my rather informal chats with some of these, uh, what I consider very special people and who I rate incredibly highly as absolutely outstanding leaders in their own particular uh, field. So I thought it would be good to start off with me just giving you a little bit of an idea about leadership and, if you like, almost my journey so that you can get an understanding of why I'm so passionate about it, what the learning is, and how it could relate to each and every one of you in your own businesses. So let me just explain that many years ago, um, I worked with somebody in leadership and management training. He was very good, no question, he was very good at what he did. However, one of the things I couldn't get my head around and I just couldn't understand was I would go and meet the clients maybe three months, maybe six months later, and I couldn't understand how it was that they'd forgotten 80% of it within six weeks. Real behavior change was minimal to nothing. And I couldn't understand this because they'd invariably leave the programs excited and thrilled and saying, oh, wonderful, best program we've been on and all this great stuff. But when you actually looked at it, what was the real impact on behavior change and business performance. I have an absolutely fundamental belief and uh, it's a question I will often um, find out what's happening if I go to visit a potential new client. I will ask them what training they're doing at this moment. Nearly all of them are doing some sort of training, some very big names, some I've never even heard of, but obviously they all are good and add value or they wouldn't be employing them. And I say, what behavior change are you seeing as a result of people going on these programs? Nearly always they struggle to answer that question. And they may come back with, oh, they really enjoyed it. They took a lot from it, really found it useful. And I'll say, great, I'm really pleased about that. So tell me, what behavior change did you see as a result? Well, 
they did, they got together maybe in teams a bit more, they talked about it a lot, but, you know, they really did feel that it was beneficial for them. I'm delighted, but tell me, what behaviour change did you see as a result? And unfortunately, most of the time, they can't answer the question. And I will, in all honesty, say to them, that may have been great training, but you've just wasted your money. Because to me, if you're going to go and learn about becoming an outstanding leader, or even a great manager, it doesn't matter, whatever it is that you're there to learn, if you come back and take on a lot of not having taken on a lot of knowledge, but real behavior change is almost non-existent, what's the point? There's no point in people taking on knowledge if it doesn't transfer into seeing some behavior change. So this was where my journey started in a way and beginning to say something has to be different. And for a year I went on I don't know, I went on all sorts of different programs. I went on all the big names you've heard of, the Tony Robbins Landmark Education, loads of others. And they were all they all added value to me and my learning in some way, shape or form. However, if I asked senior business people how they'd take personal development back into the workplace, I reckon 99% of them said they didn't because they couldn't see how they could take this very individual personal stuff back into the workplace and I began to think I wonder if this is why so much training doesn't stick and this is where I began to think is it that people see themselves as two different people one for home and one for work and that almost means that when you go into work you have to remember to pick up that toolkit of skills and it's not always easy to remember to pick them up Sometimes we go very quickly into reactive mode. And then I began to look back at the training that I'd been involved in, not delivering very much, but involved in and observing. And I began to really ask myself the question, were we teaching leadership or were we teaching management? And the more that I began to understand And my understanding came from delivering the program that I designed. And there's no question, for a year I was teaching where people were saying, amazing program, had an incredible impact, in some instances changed my life. So lots of great feedback. But the more I looked at it, the more I thought, in all the years that I've been observing and involved in teaching leadership, we weren't teaching leadership, we were teaching management. And let me just share with you what, for me, is the definition of the difference between management and leadership. Outstanding managers drive people to perform at the highest level they're capable of. It's very much about control. Outstanding leaders inspire them to do it for themselves. And it's more about freedom Let me just say that one more time, because for me, this is so important. Outstanding managers drive people to perform at the highest level they're capable of. It's very much about control. Outstanding leaders inspire them to do it for themselves. And it's more about freedom. Now, I do still occasionally run programs, uh, mainly for 
very big top teams. I don't mean big in terms of numbers, but maybe big company top teams. And I can be really honest and say that before I go to run a programme, I often get quite nervous the day before and thinking, they're all going to find me out, they're all going to know this stuff. And do you know, they never do. And it fascinates me. And I will nearly always ask a question at the beginning of the programme, the very beginning, and say, tell me, if you had to describe yourselves as more towards management or more towards leadership, how might you choose to describe yourself? And nearly always they will say, oh, absolutely leadership. We do an exercise a little bit further into the programme where we're actually measuring their communicating behaviours. And I then share with them the model and an understanding about communication. And I actually then give them feedback individually to show them where they're actually communicating from. And I then ask them the question, if this is where you're communicating from, is this more towards management or leadership? And they'll realise with almost shock that their communicating behaviour is almost total management. So what is it that's happening here? I think that nearly always the higher you go up a company, you're obviously successful, you're obviously really good at what you do, otherwise you wouldn't be in the position you're in. So people are apt to come to you for advice all the time anyway. But also you care, you care passionately. You care about getting the company results that you really want to get, but you care about the people who are in it. Let's face it, you've been there and you've done it. You've got it wrong, you've learnt from it. You've been successful and you've learnt from that. So people come to you wanting help, wanting advice, wanting guidance. But the problem actually is that nearly always you give them that advice. You actually take all the benefit of your wisdom and you care and you want them to get it right so you tell them what to do. So what do they do next time? They come back to you and they ask you again. And again, you've got the answer at your fingertips and it's quicker. So you give them advice. That's not leadership. You are sending a message without realising you're doing it that says you can't do this without me. And what you're doing is educating them how not to think for themselves. So just by communicating in that way, actually the message that we're sending is probably not the most useful. Let me tell you really honestly where my biggest learning was. As I began to learn more and more working with clients, I began to look at my life and how I'd been bringing up my children. I had six children all very close together. And not to make... Well, to put it as bluntly as possible, my life up to the age of 50 was probably more of a series of disasters than anything else. I'd made some really bad decisions, really bad marriages, uh, made some stupid mistakes, got, me, got myself into so many impossible situations that by the age of 50, my life was a series of pretty good disasters, which meant there weren't many mistakes I hadn't made. So, I love my children. I really love my children. 
So what did I do all the time? What I used to do all the time was give them advice how not to make the mistakes that I'd done. I loved them and I wanted them to be the best they could be. I couldn't stop pointing out when there were things that weren't quite as good as they could be and how they could make it better. How they could avoid the pitfalls that I'd made. I literally educated my children into how not to think for themselves. When they were 30, 35, 40, a lot of the time they were still coming to me, saying to me, what do you think I do here, Mum? Now, most of the time, not always, I do my damnedest to stand back and not give advice and say, okay, if I wasn't here, what might you choose to do? And if you knew that you have all the knowledge necessary, what's the first steps you might take? How do you think you might handle this? And I go into asking questions to get their thinking first. I've got to be honest. I still want to give advice. No question. I still want to give advice because I care. Because I think with all my knowledge and wisdom and messes that I've made in the past, who could be better than to know all the pitfalls and give them advice? So I learnt... Shame I hadn't learned all this younger. And I have to say that all my children now have uh, been through the programme, my programme, and they do bring up their children very differently. And I feel very proud when I see it. I just wish I'd learned it a bit earlier and hadn't put them through some of the challenges that uh, they may not need to have gone through. But it is really, really interesting when you begin to understand and truly understand the difference between management and leadership. Don't ever hear me say that management is not good and leadership is good. I will never say that. And you're going to hear on these podcasts, if you choose to listen to them, some really interesting interviews. I still have more to do, so there'll be probably a lot more coming in the future as well. But you will hear people say how they really believed that they were good leaders and then got such a wake-up call when they realised that the style that inadvertently they were using was management. And what they needed to do was develop leaders at every level in their company, every level. You will hear about the journey, about how some of them have done it, the impact it's had on me, or had on them, and the improvement that it has then made to themselves, to the way they live their lives, and to their businesses. And I think you will find it really interesting. So let me just say, when do you think you might use, man use management? There's a CEO that I've worked with now in three or four different companies. He's just gone to another one, which is even bigger, and taken over in terms of a bit of a crisis, in a bit of a, taken over in a bit of a hurry, about 17,000 people. And I'm over the moon to see him go there because my challenge with him over... The years that I've worked with him is that he's gone so far into being a leader that there are times when I really think he does need to step into management and he doesn't. So he's now gone into a crisis situation and management has to come to the forefront. It's right, do this, do that. It's not about all about leadership. You can call that leading from the front. You, I don't mind what terminology you give it. I would choose to say that he's had to step, step very much into a management style. So when might you use management? 
when time is short and the risk of rejection is low. Those are the two key criteria that you need to have in place. So here we have this CEO who's gone into a bit of a crisis situation. Time is short, doesn't have time to piddle about and say, let's discuss what would you do here and how might you handle it? And as a team, what do you think of the first? You haven't got time for that. It's just a case of look at it, assess the situation. You're good at what you do or you wouldn't have been put into this situation. So you need to make decisions and quickly. People in the company will know that they're in crisis mode. And I'll be saying, please let somebody come along and help us. So again, risk of rejection is low. Entirely appropriate. So he knows very well that for the next six months, might be longer, but for the next six months, he will need to be in that style. And it's picking the right moment to say, now I need to get people to the point where they come back to really thinking for themselves and begin to step back. And it's really interesting. I can share with you another example of that when we worked with an entire police force and the chief constable who took over, it, it was a mess. ACPO were all over them. There were all sorts of things they were complaining about. And he went in, he didn't just go in with a management style, he went in as a dictator. Um, and it took him two years and uh, he turned it obviously with the help of the team, but by driving, driving, driving performance. However, at the end of the two years, he knew that he needed to now shift into leadership. Otherwise, the minute he left, it would all go back to the way it was before because they were so used to being told what to do. And that's when he called us in and said, right, I now, now need your help. I've been in this style for two years. I'm going to struggle to stand back. So I don't just need your help. I need some coaching as well to help me do that. And so he absolutely did. He brought leadership in throughout the entire organization, five and a half thousand of them. And he stepped right back, knowing that his temptation to still leap in was there because he cared. He'd, he'd managed to drive the results through and he was nervous it would slip back. But he did it. He did it. So what I'm going, I really say to you from the bottom of my heart if you can really get your head around the difference between leadership and management, the behavior shifts are not that are needed are not significant, but the impact it can have is truly phenomenal, truly phenomenal. And you will take people with you to a very different level. And we've never yet worked with a company who've done this where we haven't seen improvement in employee engagement, performance, happier people and bottom line results. It's never happened yet. So I hope you found that a little bit useful. Of course, there are many other uh, aspects to look at the difference between the two. And I'm not going to be on here and uh, spending a day talking to you all, but I hope you found this a little bit useful. There are now going to be podcasts coming along fairly regular basis where I will be interviewing some really interesting people. Uh, probably the first one that I'm going to be interviewing is a lady called Sophie Lawler. And she is quite amazing. She took over um, as CEO of Total Fitness when it was, I think you'd say, in a bit of a pickle. And in the last 18 months, the improvement that has come about uh, by focusing on people first, people first, people first has been nothing short of miraculous. Uh, I think she's being put forward as uh, Businesswoman of the Year. There's all sorts of awards she's getting all over the place. She truly has done something utterly amazing. 
and it's by focusing on leadership. Of course, there's other things that she's done as well, but her entire drive has been people first, and it's amazing. So she will be the first person I'll be interviewing, um, closely followed, I think, by probably uh, Paul Stobart, who I first started working with when he was CEO of Sage, and he tells a very interesting story. He, he really believed he was a manager and got a wake-up call, and over the last years has, in my opinion, become an absolute example of a living leader. And uh, Sophie was lucky enough to attract him in to be chair of Total Fitness, so we thought it'd be really good to go afterwards. So I'd like to say thank you for listening. Uh, please do feel that if you'd like to share any thoughts about this or you'd like to come back to me, please do contact me. Um, you can either look up on The Living Leader um, or you can just email me at penny at com. So hopefully I look forward to meeting some of you one day.